This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And if this actor won Best Actor at the Oscars, and he's got an Oscar on his mantle, he is one of the best goddamn actors of all time. If you ever start thinking that, slap yourself in the face and remember this. Cher has won as many Oscars as Marlon Brando. The Stream Police Podcast is brought to you by OverdueReview.com. Want something more in-depth than a sarcastic, pretentious, 140-character review of your favorite movie? Read long-form reviews of movies, TV, and music from the distant and recent past at OverdueReview.com. Hello once again, my friend. Thanks for putting down the remote control for a few minutes and taking time to check out the Stream Police podcast. Appreciate you listening. As always, this is a show where we sift through all the garbage out there in the media wasteland. What's streaming? What's in theaters? What's on TV right now? And uh, also, what's piping through on iTunes, coming through your earbuds on Spotify? What's available out there in the media wasteland? We sift through it all and try to tell you the good stuff here on the Stream Police Podcast. I'm Clint Davis, the movies and TV editor at OverdueReview.com. A little bit later in the show, we'll be hearing from our music editor, Mr. Andrew Sedlak. Always glad to hear his two cents here on the program. And of course, as always, I'm talking to you from my tiny closet in Cincinnati, Ohio, the Queen City. Let me light up my stogie here and cause about 500 fire code violations. All right, I want to start the show by talking a little bit about the Academy Awards, my beloved Oscars. I talked about them uh, last week, gave you some predictions on who I thought was going to win, which films I thought were going to win, and I did pretty damn well, I I have to say. I mean, I'm not trying to hurt my elbow patting myself on the back, but of my eight picks that I made, I picked eight categories, including all the acting categories, best picture, and the screenplay categories, and best director. I got six of eight correct. Um, and I'm going to give myself a half point on Best Picture because I said that Spotlight should win, but I thought The Revenant would win. Of course, Spotlight did win, so the Academy got it right. And so I'm going to give myself like a half point for that one. So I'm going to say I got six and a half out of eight uh, categories that I picked correct here. So um, so I, I was pleased with how it went. The Academy, I feel like, really got them all right this year. This is one of the first times ever. I've been watching the Oscars a long time, been paying really close attention to them for a long time. And... This might be the first time where I really felt like they got every category. I, I couldn't argue with any category is what I should say. I loved the variety of winners. We did not have one of those shows where uh, one movie 
won like every award. Now, Mad Max Fury Road did win a lot of awards, but it won like all the technical ones. And that usually happens. Usually one film, whichever film like wins, um, you know, usually like the best cinematography, best visual effects, sound mixing is going to also win sound editing. Um, a lot, sometimes they'll win costuming. I mean, a lot of times that movie encompasses all those categories. They get all those visual elements right, and that's what Mad Max did this year. Um, the visual, the auditory elements really nailed them all and deservedly won all those awards. But, you know, when we're talking about the main categories, there wasn't like one film that took home Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Lead Actress, Best Director. It wasn't like that. It was spread out. Among everything, the only movie that I loved last year that did not win an Oscar, well, there were two of them. First one was Brooklyn. Second one was Star Wars. Neither of those won an Oscar. I was kind of disappointed in that. Would have loved to have seen Star Wars win something just to be able to call it an Oscar-winning film because it is also the highest-grossing movie in American history. would have been awesome to be able to say it was also an Oscar winner, uh, but it, it wasn't an Oscar winner. Uh, but it's still a great movie, and uh, it just it got showed up by the action movie of our day, Mad Max Fury Road, winning all those technical awards. But, you know, like I said, Brooklyn didn't win anything either, and I absolutely loved that film. But really, there was no category that it lost that it, it, it really should have uh, won definitely over any others. Um, but, you know, I couldn't really disagree with any of the winners for once. So that is saying something. Although, you know what, as soon as I say that now, there is one winner that I had huge issue with song of the year best original song from a motion picture goes to the snooze fest of 2015 writings on the wall by Sam Smith. But I feel like a storm is coming. If I'm gonna make it through the time, then there's no more use in running. This is something I gotta find. I read in an interview that Sam Smith and one of the guys from Disclosure said they wrote that song in five minutes. And I 100% believe them. It sounds like five minutes might have been a stretch for writing that song. I mean, it sounds like literally they just hummed some crappy tune and said, you know what, hey, this is cool. We got the Bond song coming up. I think I, this is it. First draft, yeah, we're not, we're not going to edit it. We're not going to try to redo anything. Let's just cut it real quick and, and let's go have a drink. If I I am a James Bond aficionado. You know that if you listen to this show. And I don't say that lightly. It's the worst Bond song of all time. I do not put that superlative on it lightly, all right? Writings on the Wall is such a snooze fest. It was worse than Duran Duran's Bond song. Meeting you with a view to it was worse than Aha's Bond song. Friends, I shit you not, it was even worse than Madonna's Bond song. So that had to be the worst moment of the Oscars, that dreadful song winning song of the year. That sullies some other great songs that have won song of the year, like Three Six Mafia's It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp or Bruce Springsteen's Streets of Philadelphia. It just has, it has sullied the category this year. 
And I, I say that in all seriousness. But speaking of bad Oscar winners, I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the show that I was going to talk on I was going to talk on last week's episode about why you shouldn't take the Oscars too seriously because there have been a lot of great directors, actors that never won Academy Awards. I forgot to get to it last week. I didn't have time to and it slipped my mind honestly, but I forget to take a little bit of time and get to it this week. I've got a couple reasons why you should not take the Oscars too seriously, and I'm going to throw one at you right now. If you ever start thinking to yourself, the Academy Awards are the be-all, end-all of film. They are what matters, all right? If it wins Best Picture, it's, a, it's the greatest film of the year. It's not only the greatest film of the year, it is, at, it is definitely a great film, and it could be a perfect film. It's, one fil- it's a film that I need to see. It won Best Picture, for God's sakes. And if this actor won Best Actor at the Oscars, and he's got an Oscar on his mantle, he is one of the best goddamn actors of all time. If you ever start thinking that, slap yourself in the face and remember this share has won as many oscars as marlon brando all right if you missed that let me let me just slow down one more time and repeat that okay friends share has won as many oscars as marlon brando That is absolutely 100% true. Two Oscars for both Cher and for Marlon Brando. Unbelievable, right? It's true. And technically, she's got more Oscars than Brando because he didn't even accept one of his one year that he boycotted the Oscars when he won for The Godfather. He didn't even go that year. He didn't take the, the statue. So technically, she's got one more than him if you count the number of trophies they actually took home. Let me give you the real dirt about the Oscars. I've studied them a long time. I've watched a lot of Best Picture winners. The Oscars are not always about, like, who's the best actor? Who is the the actor of our generation? What's the great film of our time? Or even the greatest film of the year, because they miss a lot of them. I mean, it's a very Americanized show. They really don't nominate foreign films ever for Best Picture. It hardly ever happens. Every so often, one will squeak in and sneak in for a nomination, but none of them ever win uh, Best Picture. But, you know, occasionally they will get nominated foreign language movies, which we all know if you're a serious cinema goer, sometimes those are the greatest films, you know, of every year. Oftentimes, one of the best films clearly is it going to be a foreign film if you just get out and see them and documentaries never get nominated for best picture even though sometimes they are the best films of a given year the oscars are very much commercialized i mean these are movies that people can go see as a group and enjoy Um, but the oscars are usually about a hot moment not a great career but sometimes the oscars do pull one out of their asses and give it to a great actor for a lousy performance or to a great director for a so-so movie. That's when the Oscars can get really confusing. It's like they're making up for past mistakes. Some examples of that have been uh, an actor, Jack Palance, who was a veteran you know, character, Western actor and things. He won an Oscar for the movie City Slickers. Yeah, City Slickers. He won Best Supporting Actor. City Slickers is an Oscar-winning movie, okay? Brooklyn was not an Oscar-winning movie. City Slickers is an Oscar-winning movie. The, the Billy Crystal film, yeah, good movie. Daniel Stern is in it. That movie won an Oscar. Jack Palance won for playing Curly, all right? No one will ever say that that was the great performance of that year, whatever the year that was, 1991 or whenever when that came out. I can't remember when City Slickers came out, but no one's going to say that was the great performance of the year. But it won one of four acting Oscars of that year because of Palance's career. 
Al Pacino wins an Oscar in the early 90s for Scent of a Woman, widely regarded as one of his worst performances and really one of the moments where his acting career started to kind of fall off uh, from the highs that he had had. I mean, in the 70s, he was the best actor in film and one of the great actors of all time. I'd say he was better than Robert De Niro in the 70s even. Yeah, I'm going to say that. Um, I mean, Pacino, just he could do no wrong in the 70s, no matter what director he was working with, De Palma, Lumet, uh, Coppola. It didn't matter who he was working with. He did career and film best work. But when did he win his Oscar? Oh, he didn't win his Oscar for playing Michael Corleone. Not one of the three times he played that role amazingly. He didn't win his Oscar for Dog Day Afternoon. He didn't win his Oscar even for Glengarry Glenn Ross. He won his Oscar for Scent of a Woman, where he walks around going, hoo-ah, hoo-ah, all the time playing some blind jerk-off. As you can see, I get a little bit fired up when it comes to the Oscars. Also, my beloved Martin Scorsese was also guilty of being shunned by the Oscars for a long time. Martin Scorsese, it took him like 30 years to win an Oscar for Best Director. He was nominated a bunch of times. He finally won for The Departed in 2006. All right, The Departed's a good movie. It's definitely one of the best gangster movies we've seen in a long time. But is it, you know, the best movie of Scorsese's career? Certainly not. I don't think it cracks the top five, honestly, of Scorsese's career. It's in the top ten, but I don't think it cracks the top five. I mean, this is the guy that did Raging Bull. That's his best movie, bar none, end of story. This is the guy that did Taxi Driver. This is the guy that did Casino, Goodfellas, Bringing Out the Dead, Gangs of New York. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's an endless list of great films. Wolf of Wall Street for Martin Scorsese, King of Comedy. Um, he's, He's really only missed a couple times in his entire career, but he wins Best Director for The Departed, which wasn't even his best gangster movie. So it felt like the Oscars were making up for lost time. I'm glad Marty finally got one, but I wish he would have won. I wish he would have won one for Taxi Driver and for Raging Bull and for Goodfellas, you know, and for The Departed. Why not? I wish he had four of them already. God knows he's deserved it. But those are guys that won Oscars. Let's talk about the guys who never won Oscars. I'm just going to throw a few names at you here. The one thing these guys all have in common is that they are—they never won Oscars. And another thing they all have in common is they are some of the best directors behind some of the most groundbreaking movies in the history of cinema. Stick with me here, friends. Ridley Scott, three Oscar nominations. He never won an Oscar. This is the guy that brought you Blade Runner, Alien. I mean, really some of the most transformative movies uh, of their day. Never won an Academy Award. Even for Gladiator, he didn't win one. David Fincher, he did Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac, one of my favorite movies ever. The Social Network, another one of my favorite movies. David Fincher never won an Oscar. Two nominations, never won. David Lynch, come on, Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, three nominations for Best Director, never won an Oscar. P.T. Anderson, my favorite director ever, one nomination for Best Director, never won one. I mean, he did Boogie Nights. He did Magnolia. He did There Will Be Blood. That's the one he got nominated for. And he's never won an Oscar. I mean, it's incredible. You want somebody who makes big films, give one to Paul Thomas Anderson. Are you kidding me? Terry Gilliam has never even been nominated for an Oscar, all right? I mean, I don't even need to run down his great list of films, but I will for you, just a couple of them anyways. Twelve Monkeys, Brazil, I mean, another guy who has a great pedigree. David Cronenberg, never been nominated for an Oscar, also has made some of the most interesting, arresting movies 
uh, of his day. Brian De Palma never nominated for an Oscar. I mean, are you kidding me? One of the biggest oversights for me is Spike Lee. Spike Lee has never been nominated for Best Director. Can you believe that? Let's forget the fact that he's a, he's a black director, and he's maybe the most uh, identifiable black director of all time, certainly of his generation. But Spike Lee's never won an Oscar. If you want to talk about the Oscars being racist, I mean, that that might be the evidence you need right there. I mean, this guy, and it's not, I mean, I, you say what you want about Spike Lee's attitude, but the films he's made are unbelievable. Do the Right Thing, I mean, that is one of the greatest films ever ever produced, ever ever made. I mean, it's incredible from start to finish. Malcolm X, one of the best biopics I've ever seen. It's sprawling. It's epic. It's fantastic. He Got Game, maybe my favorite sports movie ever. I mean, Spike Lee's made a number of incredible films, never been nominated for an Academy Award. 25th Hour, are you kidding me? I love that movie. He's never been nominated for an Oscar. Quentin Tarantino, he's been nominated twice, never won an Oscar for directing. Tarantino's won an Oscar for writing. He, he won one for writing uh, Pulp Fiction. I think he won one for writing Django. Never has won an Oscar for directing. Unreal. He's one of the best directors of, of his day. And finally, maybe the ultimate director who never won an Oscar that everyone you know agrees was breaking all the rules, Stanley Kubrick. Four Oscar nominations, never won. Incredible. Christopher Nolan's also never won an Oscar. I'll just throw that name out there. Meanwhile, Mel Gibson and James Cameron have each won Oscars for Best Director. I'm not trying to shit all over James Cameron, but come on. I mean, Kubrick, Tarantino, Anderson, Fincher, Scott, Lee, these guys can't win, but Jim Cameron and Mel Gibson have Oscars on their shelves. Unreal. I'm the king of the world! And finally, a, a, a few actors and actresses I want to throw at you that also never won Oscars. Again, if you're sitting around thinking that the Oscars are the be-all, end-all, these guys and ladies never won Oscars. James Dean, he got nominated twice, never won. James Dean lost Oscars to Ernest Borgnine and Yul freaking Brenner. All right, I'm not trying to dog on Yul Brenner, but for The King and I, over James Dean, East of Eden, and Giant, he did not get nominated for Rebel Without a Cause, by the way. My favorite actor of all time, Gary Oldman, never won an Oscar. I think he's the greatest actor in the history of film. He's been nominated once. He has never won an Oscar. I mean, can you believe that? Seriously, you might not love Gary Oldman as much as I do. I'm not putting you on here. I'm not kidding you. I, he is my favorite actor ever. I think he's the best actor in the history of film. He's never won an Oscar. He only got nominated once. Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. I mean, if you ask me, Oldman should have been nominated for every movie he's basically ever been in. All right, except for Dracula and also except for... The Scarlet Letter. I'm going to keep throwing names at you. Johnny Depp, he's never won an Oscar. Tom Cruise has never won an Oscar. Ray Fine has never won an Oscar. The best actresses that never won Oscars. Glenn Close. Glenn freaking Close. She's never won an Oscar. Amy Adams. She's been nominated about 100 times. Never won. Natalie Wood. She never won. Ava Gardner never won an Oscar. Viola Davis never won an Oscar. Meanwhile, Whoopi Goldberg, Mira Sorvino, Jennifer Hudson, Cher, as I mentioned before, Monique, they've all won Oscars, but none of these other great actresses have one on their shelf. So like I said, I get a little bit too fired up about the Oscars maybe, but just don't put so much stock into them because, again, Gary Oldman never won an Oscar, and at the end of the day, you got to remember, Cher has won as many Oscars as Marlon Brando. All right, I'm going to take a breather here for a second. I got to cool down a little bit. I'm going to puff the stogie and pass things over to Andy Sedlak, our music editor at OverdueReview.com. Let's hear what he's got coming through the earbuds this week. Take it away, Andy.
All right, thank you, Clint. The biggest news by far of the past couple weeks. Come on, you know it, I know it. It's the new Kendrick Lamar album called Untitled Unmastered. It's uh, it's pretty much exactly as advertised. Not only is the record itself untitled, each song, each track is untitled. All the information given is when each track was recorded, which appears to be mostly in 2014. The album is raw. Once again, it sounds unmastered. The freestyle that we heard at the Grammys, while we thought it was a freestyle, it's actually one of the tracks on the new album. Right now, it seems like the album is available, let's see, through iTunes, through Spotify, and Tidal. If anyone is actually using title, I've read and read and read about it, but I've never actually spoken to another human being who has used it. So if you've used title, why don't you let me know how you feel about it? Uh, fire off an email, sedlakjournal at gmail.com, S-E-D-L-A-K, the word journal, all squished together at gmail.com. But when it comes to Kendrick Lamar's new record, or mixtape, or I'm still not quite sure how we're how we're looking at this. It's almost an outtakes record in some fashion. I haven't heard anything about a physical release date yet, um, but I will tell you, I've listened to it in the second track on the album. It was recorded, again, each track untitled, but I can tell you this was recorded in June of 2014. It is just incredible. It is the track that stuck out to me first. Keep in mind, most of these songs recorded just a year after Good Kid Mad City was released. And the album has got all of these signature touchstones um, from a Kendrick Lamar release. It is murky. It is jazzy. It is uh, provocative. It's just Kendrick Lamar. Each time you listen, a new line catches your attention. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much um, packed into each song. It's dense music and dense in a good way. So many plays on me, I finesse, palisade views with some sex. I lost a lot of love for missionary. This the first time I react. Me and Top is like a Kobe you feel. The father figure play with him, you get killed. Play with me and he keep you himself. TDE the mafia, the West. We for silence, yeah, we jugging like that. Act of violence, yeah, we jugging like that. I did a lot of dumb things in my past. Love forgive me, hoping I don't relapse. Dame just bought a new 911. Almost thought I seen another plane crash. You just bought a brand new McDonald's. Uh, it's just, it's just, there's so much there. It's like, have you ever seen the movie L.A. Confidential? It's fantastic. But you have to pay attention. You can't be distracted. You can't be on your phone. You can't be talking to the wife. You need to follow along. And Kendrick Lamar albums are kind of that way. Now, 
Lamar dropped his album with absolutely zero advance warning. Nothing. Um, And we've already discussed that you need to be big to do that. Uh, But I'm wondering, at this point, and we've seen a number of surprise releases, in your opinion, and I'll ask ask the stream police audience, uh, we'll see what you think here. What do you think is the best surprise album of all time? Is it Beyonce's self-titled record that was released with no warning in December of 2013? Let me sit this ass on I feel let me take this off you watch me watch me appeal I myself this is just Andy I'm almost inclined uh to vote for Eric Church's Mr. Misunderstood which fan club members you know suddenly got in the mail last year um, I was not a member of Eric Church's fan club, but after they got a, a free record out of the blue, I felt inclined to sign up. Brittany Howard surprise released a solo debut just like months after the last Alabama Shakes record was released at first that too was available for free it's a real phenomenon phenomenon that we're seeing right now wilco uh recently did the same thing last year which was kind of you know the year of surprise releases drake put out if you're reading this it's too late uh that was a surprise release then there's jay-z's magna carta holy grail david bowie's uh the next day where those albums were almost Total surprises. Fans only had to wait a couple weeks uh, after those titles were announced. Who knows? Maybe you think Skrillex's Recess is the best surprise release of all time. The very first album... To be surprised to get this kind of treatment was Radioheads and Rainbows. If you remember, that was the Name Your Price record. And it was announced like 10 days before it actually became available. Typically, albums are announced way in advance, like movies. Spent a couple hundred thousand in a couple of days. Smoke a pound in my suite and then come up with a play. So that's that's Wiz Khalifa shifting gears a little bit. I was thinking about this the other day. But Wiz Khalifa is one of those artists where I literally like one song. And I like despise the rest of his catalog, hate it, almost all of it, except for one song. And this is that one song. Yeah, roll up. So you packing your dummy gear luggage up, calling my cell phone, trying to catch a flight. 
You know one thing straight, I'll be there, girl, whenever you call me. When you at home, that's your man. Soon as you land, you say it's all me. The shit ain't all G with him no more, you ain't entertained. Since I met you a couple months ago, you ain't been the same. Not saying I'm the richest man alive, but I'm in the game. As long as you keep it 100, I'ma spin his chain. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just sweet. Whenever you need me, whenever you want me, you know you can call me. I'll be there shortly. Don't care what your friends say, cause they don't know me. I can be your best friend, and you be my homie. I ain't gon' flex, I'm not gon' friend. That was produced by Stargate, who's worked with Beyonce and Rihanna. That's kind of where that that luscious pop sound comes from. And, but that's literally it. I've I've never been impressed with anything else this guy has ever done. And there are a few acts that I sort of put into that Wiz Khalifa column. R. Kelly comes to mind. You might like Bump and Grind. My mind's telling me no. Does nothing for me. However, there is the Ignition remix. It's the remix to Ignition. Hot and fresh out the kitchen. Mama rolling that body. Got every man in the wishing. And I love it. Totally different story. How about another? I'm going to throw another name at you. I literally like one song by Clint Black, but I really, really love it. I cannot stand Gwen Stefani. I think she's shameless in her pursuit to stay relevant. However, I do kind of like this. Pink is the same way. 99.9% of her catalog is so bratty, I can't stand it. But then there is this song. It's funny because as a listener, it's such a conflicted feeling because the way you feel is so clear with one glaring exception There's another one, literally the only song I like by Luke Bryan. If you have anybody that fits into this camp, I'd like to hear about it. Shoot me an email. Oh, one more. That's Dirt from Florida Georgia Line. And I cannot believe those two goofballs were presented with a song like that. It's incredible. But to be fair with them, they did it justice. Very, very good. But I like nothing else from Florida Georgia Line. And before I let you go, I would like to wish Aaron Lewis the best of luck. Lewis is actually preparing, you may not know this, preparing to release his third country album. No doubt you remember this hit from a few years back. I'm on the outside. I'm looking in. I can see through you. 
so you can kind of sort of hear uh, where he may go country if you have not listened to any of his country uh, stuff before. Now, Lewis is raw with his recording. The vocals are scratch vocals. Each song knocked out in one or two takes. In fact, I've read that the album, this new album, was cut in one 16-hour session. Now, Lewis is the former frontman for Stained. He does not like the edges smoothed out in his brand of country music. And I really don't either. It can work. Never say never. We just sort of touched on that. But I sort of identify with that approach to country. I like my country to feel and to sound rule. His new record is called Center. You'll be able to stream it this summer. Keep an eye out for that. It could be interesting. Uh, could be interesting stuff. Now... Friends, as you know, we are building the perfect playlist, um, and I'm just going to give you five more songs off the top of my head to add to that playlist, okay? Um, and I'm just, these are just the first five kind of great songs that come to mind, okay? So here we go. Write these things down. First, Silvio by Bob Dylan. Take my future on a hill of the past. Looks like tomorrow is a coming on fast. Second is My Church by Marin Morris. Can I get a hallelujah? Can I get an amen? Feels like the Holy Ghost running through you when I play the highway amen. Then I'm going to give you Old Five and Dimers Like Me by Waylon Jennings. She stood beside me, letting me know she would be. Something to lean on when everything ran out on me. Fence yards ain't whole cards, and like as not never will be. Reason for rhymers, old five and dimers like me. Then, Wreckage by the Jay Giles Band. Just look at me, look at me. Only a few return, only a few will learn about the wreckage along the way. And finally, for crying out loud by the one and only Meatloaf. Listen, this is epic.
That's it. Guys, I appreciate it. Talk to you in a couple weeks. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you much, Andy. I appreciate it, as always. And you can read uh, some of Andy's full-length album reviews uh, over at the website, overduereview.com. You can also read some of my long takes on film and on television. Uh, We've got hundreds of reviews we've written over the past three years and some change up there at the website. And all of our old podcast episodes are there as well, in addition to checking them out on the iTunes uh, podcast app or at Acast or Stitcher. There are a couple ways you can find the stream police. Let me go ahead and relight my stogie here. Zippo about needs a new wick there. All right, moving right along here on the Stream Police Podcast, round two. I'm going to talk uh, a little bit right now about a couple movies that are in theaters now. Lately, for my day job, I've been able to talk my boss into letting me do like a movie review every week, just spend a, a, a few hours. You know, I go out on my free time during the week and, and go to a screening before the movie comes out. And then I, you know, do a little like five minute video uh, and put it up on, on YouTube and hopefully get a couple of uh, a couple hundred eyes on the thing. Uh, I've been doing that for the last few weeks, seeing some movies. And, and really, I haven't been blown away by one I've seen yet. But I did want to talk about a couple of them here that I gave positive reviews to. But one specifically I want to talk about because I gave it a positive review, but not as positive as a lot of people are giving it. That's Disney's latest film, Zootopia. It's in theaters right now. It's an animated picture. It's about a bunny rabbit police officer who is the she's the first rabbit police officer in the history of Zootopia. This is a world that's run by animals. Animals have attained a level of, of culture and intelligence that's equal to humans. They're walking upright. They're, you know, doing all these things. They're wearing clothing. They're driving cars, doing all this stuff. I mean, it's, it's a cute world to see for sure. But she's a cop. She's trying to crack the case of a missing animal. It's a missing otter. And she teams up with this uh, con man, Fox, voiced by Jason Bateman. And they go on this, you know, adventure around Zootopia trying to crack this case. So I gave this movie in my review of it, I gave it a three out of five. It's a mixed review, but it's positive on the Rotten Tomatoes meter. It would be counted as a as a red tomato, a fresh review is what they call them, three out of five, just barely. It would be over the threshold, though. Uh, but I have seen this movie. It's, it's currently right now it's got 100 percent at Rotten Tomatoes. And I've heard a couple critics that I respect call it like one of the best animated movies they've ever seen. And I just I I didn't feel like in my review, I said, I don't think this is going to be one of Disney's classic movies. Like, I don't think in 20 years, your children, your grandchildren 
are going to be like telling their kids about Zootopia and how they have to watch Zootopia. Like we talk to our kids about, you know, The Lion King or Beauty and the Beast or The Little Mermaid, Toy Story, you know, these true classics. You know, there are plenty of Disney movies we don't tell our kids about. I mean, no one talks to their kids about Bugs Life, really. I mean, seriously, it was a fine film, but nobody talks about it. I mean, when when the reviews for Bugs Life came out, you know, it was a it was a cool movie for its time, but it hasn't gone down as one of the all time classics like Wall-E or, you know, as I mentioned, Toy Story, any of those films, Monsters, Inc., Finding uh, Nemo. I mean, these are some are more beloved than others. And I just I think Zootopia will kind of be left on the pile in 20 years from now. But, you know, it was a good looking movie. It had a very good uh, positive message about, you know, inclusion and equality and and not being prejudiced against people. It's a very political film. Disney's uh, most political film I've seen in a long time. And that works well. But, you know, that fades. That's not a timeless thing. Uh, But I give him credit for doing it. But I saw a review that said that Zootopia was the best animated movie that Disney's made in 20 years. And I think that's what really burned my ass when I went to go see this film and I did the review of it. Because I I was thinking about all the movies Disney has done. And and that guy was specifically not including Pixar. He's talking Disney. So he's talking, let's let's just go back to the last few movies Disney's made, all right? Because I think that guy's got a very short memory. Um the most recent film they made was Big Hero 6 last year. That movie was awesome. It was exciting. It had a, a, a really good message. It, adults could have liked it. Teenagers definitely liked it. Um, it had just, it was a cool film. It was a different take on a superhero movie. I thought that movie was better than Zootopia, definitely. It knocked me on my ass more. Before that, they did Frozen. Frozen was incredible, a phenomenon. It was a very good movie. It had good, you know, it was the best musical movie that Disney had made in a long time. And I really enjoyed Frozen. Zootopia was not as good as Frozen, I wouldn't say. Then before that, they made Wreck-It Ralph. I would probably say Zootopia was as good as Wreck-It Ralph, but I liked Wreck-It Ralph even more because I think the visuals were better and it was more original. I mean, Zootopia, at the end of the day, was just another talking animal picture. I'm sorry, but that's just my take on it. I I took a little bit of heat on YouTube for that review because, um, you know, I I didn't give it as much praise as some other people. But at the end of the day, I still gave it a positive. I gave it three out of five stars, which I think is a lot better than I've given a lot of movies. But I just I'm not buying into the. The, the hype that this is the best animated movie like of our time. I'm sorry. I just don't think it is. I don't think it was as good as the Peanuts movie last year. And I definitely don't think it was as good as Inside Out last year. So it's just, that, that's, you know, my take. But, uh, you know, for what it's worth, if you got kids, they might like it. But I feel like if you have little kids, like under, oh, I don't know, like under six, I don't think they're going to dig this movie a lot because it's pretty long and it's, you know, a lot of dialogue and there's no music moments or anything really too exciting for the kids. And it's got some scary moments that will probably make them scream a little bit, honestly, uh, when some of the animals go rabid. But older kids will like it and I think they'll get the message. And uh, adults, I think, will, will can get into Zootopia a little bit more than little kids. But that's my take on that. Just touch a sheep's wool. It's like cotton candy. Stop it. Where to? Uh, Rainforest District. Fine into hunger. There, traffic cams for the whole city. Well, this is so exciting, actually. I mean, well, you know, I, I never get to do anything this important. But you're the assistant mayor of Zootopia. Oh, I'm more of a glorified secretary. I think Mayor Lionheart just wanted the sheep vote. One movie I did see that I actually did like quite a bit a couple weeks ago that 
did not get very good reviews at all overall was Triple Nine. This was a, uh, a crime heist movie, a cops and robbers movie, really, on steroids. It had this huge cast, tons of people in it. Um, Aaron Paul, who played Jesse on Breaking Bad, uh, uh, the guy who plays Daryl from The Walking Dead. It also had the guy who plays Falcon from The Avengers. It's got I'm, – I'm forgetting everyone's names. I'm just remembering the characters that they play on TV shows and in movies. It's got Kate Winslet in it. I mean, it's got Chiwetel Ejiofor from 12 Years a Slave. Tons of great actors in this movie. Maybe none of them are really fleshed out a lot, the characters that they play. But I thought this was a cool movie. It reminded me a lot of Heat. And it wasn't as good as Heat, but really what movies are as good as Heat. I mean, that's one of the masterpieces of our time. Um, just reminded me a lot of that. And reminded me a little bit of Training Day also. Definitely that kind of style, gritty film. Um, really didn't pull punches back. Um, and it was it was a it was a rough movie when it needed to be, and it had some real stakes in the game, and it was kind of a more like a war picture than a crime film. So Triple Nine, I do recommend if you like crime movies, if you like them edgy, uh, go give it a watch. The only thing I really didn't like about Triple Nine was the ending, and again, some of the characters were pretty cardboard. But you know, this is a crime movie. I'm not I'm not really looking to get to know all these guys 100. percent They don't have to be really fleshed out as long as the action that's happening on screen is well made, and it was well made. It was it was again it was made in a gritty style that reminded me more of a war movie than of a traditional cops and robbers movie. So Triple Nine, I gave a four out of five stars, and it right now is also in theaters. I would like to make a difference. I know how it sounds. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You're going to make a difference. You ain't going to make a difference. Get that notion out of your head. <laughs> you know what you need to do? Your job, keep your head on a swivel. Out monster the monster and get home at the end of the night. Okay, let's turn to the TV screen and the computer screen and phone screen as well now. I want to talk about some of the best movies that are now streaming in March. This is the Stream Police, after all. Just going to pick uh, a, a few films for you that are streaming on Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu right now, for those of you that subscribe to those services. All right, so first let's start with Netflix. Now, Netflix's selection of movies, I feel like, has really taken a backseat in the last year to their original program. They're cranking out so much original programming. I mean, they're putting so much money into Fuller House and all this other shit. They've got 20 new original programs and movies now, like every month, not even exaggerating, uh, that come out that, you know, really what Netflix used to be about was giving you access to movies that were obscure. You couldn't find them anywhere. And you could stream them on your TV, like instantly or rent the DVD in the mail. And it's not really about that anymore. It's not about, uh, you know, third-party films. It's really about their in-house stuff now. They've kind of, Netflix has kind of gotten its head so far up its own ass that you can't really count on them to bring you great movies that you haven't already seen. I feel like the good movies they bring you are the ones that everyone's already seen before. It's like, they yeah, they have Pulp Fiction on there, but who hasn't seen Pulp Fiction by this point? If you haven't, then, I mean, God, what are you doing? Have you had your head in the sand for the last 20 years? I mean, they've got like the most obvious good movies. They need to just you know, crank things up a little bit for like the real cine freaks out there and all of us. But anyways, the best new movies coming to Netflix in March. Uh, first off, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. It's the best of all the Star Trek movies. It's really the movie that turned me on to Star Trek and made me really become a fan. Um, and I, I love this movie. Still enjoy it. It's it's pulpy. It's over the top. But I mean, come on. It's. I, I mean, how are you going to beat Ricardo Montalban and William Shatner together in a film? How can that not be over the top? I mean, that's the recipe for over the top. It's just a really good movie. It's the best of all the Star Trek films, um, and it right now is on Netflix. Also, they've got Good Burger if you're feeling nostalgic. I mean, 
come on, who didn't enjoy Kenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell? I legitimately, when I was a kid, thought Kenan Thompson was the funniest guy like on planet Earth for like a solid year. I think I worshipped that dude. And Good Burger was a good reason why. Um, and it's still a pretty funny movie, I mean, for kids' film. That's right now on Netflix. And they've got the classic Oliver Stone written. Brian De Palma directed Al Pacino starring Scarface is now on Netflix. Three hours and change uh, of pure adrenaline. I don't love Scarface as much as some people love it. I think it's a little bit cheesy. It's very dated at this point, but it does still have a hell of a lot of attitudes. And Tony Montana has balls as big as boulders, my friend. Let's get this straight now. I never f***ed anybody over in my life. Didn't have a coat. You got that? All I have in this world is my balls and my word, and I don't break them for no one. Do you understand? All right, now for you Amazon Prime subscribers, here are the three best movies that are now streaming uh, this March on Amazon Prime. First off, we got Ghostbusters. I mean, it's really the year of Ghostbusters. The franchise is coming back. The haters are dogging all over the new female-led cast version of Ghostbusters. I don't get them, though. Shut the hell up if you're hating on this movie. I mean, Why? Did you forget that Ghostbusters 2 sucked? I mean, let's not forget that Ghostbusters 2 was basically, uh, I, I mean, like the ultimate just crappy sequel to a really good movie. I mean, let's not forget that. And plus, everyone involved in the Ghostbusters reboot is awesome. I mean, when has Kristen Wiig let us down as far as comedy goes? And when has Melissa McCarthy, for that matter, let us down as far as comedy goes? When has Paul Feig let us down? Um, as far as comedy goes. This guy is the, arguably the best comedy director we've got right now, and he's the one handling this reboot. I, for one, love the sound of that, and Kate McKinnon is the funniest person to be on Saturday Night Live in a long time, probably since Kristen Wiig. Getting all these people together, is it's, it's going to be great. I've got high expectations for the Ghostbusters reboot, uh, but all the haters are already out. It's, just, it's, it's rampant sexism out there. What else is new on the Internet? But the original Ghostbusters, an all-time classic, and really a, a perfect film in a lot of ways, um, is right now on Amazon Prime. Also, one of my favorite movies ever, American Psycho is on Amazon Prime. If you've never seen it, American Psycho is maybe the darkest comedy I've ever seen. Calling it a comedy might be a stretch, but it certainly is funny. It's Christian Bale's best work of his entire career. And it's really, what I love about American Psycho are the times when Christian Bale's character turns into like a music critic and gives us his deep agonizing take on 80s music. Meanwhile, he's got a sledgehammer and he's about to crush a woman's head with it. I mean, that sounds awful, but uh, I mean, this this movie is so dark and twisted. It's like the definition of twisted is American Psycho. Just a fun watch. And it'll really kind of like ignite the sociopath in yourself. So that one right now is on Amazon Prime. Couldn't recommend it more. And finally, an older one, 1950s The Gunfighter with Gregory Peck is now on Amazon Prime. And the reason I bring that uh, great film up is that it was the uh, song that uh, Bob Dylan, I'm sorry, it was the movie that Bob Dylan sang about in his 12-minute epic, my favorite song I think he ever recorded, Brownsville Girl. That's the film he was talking about, The Gunfighter. If you want to you know, really get in touch with your inner Bob Dylan, go see The Gunfighter right now on Amazon Prime. There was a movie I seen one time I think I sat through it twice I don't remember who I was or where I was bound Um, and finally, uh, Hulu actually has uh, now starting in March 10 James Bond films. 
um, and and ten you know pretty good James Bond films, including the three that I think are the best. Well. I don't know if they're the three best, but they're three of the absolute best of the, how many are there, 24 James Bond films now? Um, I'm going to give you three of them to watch on Hulu. From Russia with Love, that's the second one of all the Bond movies, and the second one with Sean Connery. A great movie, great story, um, and it's one that I think gets overlooked a lot because a lot of everyone talks about Goldfinger. But From Russia with Love is is really just as good as Goldfinger in my mind, and it's actually better in some ways. Also, Goldeneye, Pierce Brosnan's first and best Bond film, is right now on Hulu. And On Her Majesty's Secret Service, my favorite Bond movie ever made. George Lazenby, the overlooked, underrated James Bond. He only played him in one film before an old, fat Sean Connery decided he wanted to come back and Lazenby got the old boot right up the ass on Her Majesty's Secret Service is now streaming I bet you've never seen it and if you haven't seen it you have not seen the best James Bond film the only movie that reminded me of On Her Majesty's Secret Service was Skyfall in a lot of ways I think this was the precursor to Skyfall so you owe yourself a watch of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It's right now on Hulu, and it's got Diana Rigg as my second favorite Bond girl only to Eva Green. So give it a watch. Um, it's it's Bond at his most vulnerable of all time. Uh, so you're Tatiana Romanova. My friends call me Tanya. Mine call me James Bond. You're one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. Thank you, but I think my mouth is too big. No, it's the right size. For me, that is. All right, that's enough about movies. The last thing I want to mention here before I wrap up this edition of the Stream Police podcast, uh, the Michael Jordan edition, num- show number 23, um, is a TV show that is now uh, has its fifth season streaming on Netflix, on Amazon, and on Hulu. Um, and we don't know when season six is going to be coming. It's supposed to be coming. FX's network head has said it's going to be coming, but they said that it might be many years. It could be as many as eight years before the sixth season of this show comes out. I'm talking about Louis, created and star, created by and starring Louis C.K. Louis C.K. has written and directed every episode of this five-season television show. Um, and I have, I'm full disclosure, I have not watched the fifth season yet. I'm getting ready to sit down with it. But the first four seasons of the show, I just want to say about Louie, this is truly one of the most interesting and ambitious shows on TV today and maybe in TV history. I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not saying that to get you riled up. Louie truly is a special show. So different. It it's You hear that a lot of shows break the rules. Louie really does break all the rules um, of narrative structure, of TV, of, of genre placement especially. Louis C.K. has poured blood, sweat, and tears into this show. What the show follows is a fictional version of Louis C.K., the stand-up comedian. Uh, but that's where all the comparisons between Louis and every other stand-up sitcom end. I mean, this is not Seinfeld. This is not Mulaney. This is not uh, Titus. This is not any of those stand-up comic gets a TV show kind of shows. It's so different, mainly because of the evolution that it has undergone in the last four years that it has been on the air, last five years, I should say, that it has been on the air. After starting out as a fairly straightforward show in the first season about a divorced father of two, the show begins to evolve into something else entirely, really at the end of season two and especially in season three. 
It's a hilarious show at times, and then some episodes feel like a straight drama. The show follows no mold at all, and it breaks, as I said, so many narrative rules. I mean, Louis C.K. takes so many chances, um, and, and it's one of those shows where as you're watching it, you're wondering all the time, is any of this really happening? Is it all happening inside Louis C.K.'s head? Are we really? Is he a very uh, reliable narrator? I mean, there's a lot of issues uh, here with, you know, you're wondering what's the truth and, and, and is what I'm seeing really the 100% truth or is it just kind of has it been melted in this guy's warped head? I don't know. And that's one of the things that keeps you guessing about this show. And you're always guessing with Louie. No two episodes are really the same of this show, especially after the second season. Like I said, first season, it's pretty conventional. It follows a pretty good mold of that, you know, fictional version of the stand-up. We got little shots of him doing his stand-up at the beginning of the show, at the end of the show. And in the middle, we've got stories about him relating to his daughters or him, you know, relating to his ex-wife or his, his schlubby brother, you know. But then in the second season, it really started to get more ambitious and the show really turned like turned into a drama somewhere along the way. And that sounds like it would be a bad thing, but it's not at all. It's so natural. And the evolution of the show has been so exciting to watch. A- at times, Louie has got hilarious takes on parenting. Louie got a mango pop and I didn't get one. Yep. Well, that's not fair. I, I don't even know what that means. Why does she get one and not me? Because she's a separate person from you. You're never going to get the same things as other people. It's never going to be equal. It's not going to happen ever in your life, so you might as well learn that now, okay? Well, then I get something else. Hear me. You get, I get something else. What do you mean you get? I get something no, else. Hear nobody, me. Jane, nobody gets anything. She got something. She got a mango pot. Yeah, that, that's, that's right now she's lucky, and you're not particularly lucky. Maybe later you'll be lucky. Maybe but it's so point. not fair. You only should be concerned with what somebody it's else gets. I'm telling you something right now. You should only ever be concerned with what's... You are not fair. Listen to me. The only time you look in your neighbor's bowl is to make sure that they have enough. If can you I look just in have your... some calcium yes, chocolate? Yes, you can have a calcium chocolate. Make sure your sister gets one, too. I'm going to play another clip for you. At other times, Louie's got poignant takes on sexism and attraction, such as when one female character that Louis takes out on a date and he's not showing very much interest in her, uh, gives this great monologue that won the show an Emmy a couple years ago. You can talk into the microphone and say you can't get a date, you're overweight, and it's adorable. But if I say it, they call the suicide hotline on me. I mean, can I just say it? I'm fat. It sucks to be a fat girl. What is it about the basics of human happiness? You know, feeling attractive, feeling loved, uh, having guys chase after us. That's just not in the cards for us. Nope, not for us. How is that fair? And why am I supposed to just accept it? You know, Vanessa, you're a very, really beautiful, If I was a very, really beautiful, then you would have said yes when I asked you out. I mean, come on, Louie, be honest here. And later in the series, in season four, it's got this fantastic romantic storyline that stretches over a six-part episode arc in the fourth season. A six-part episode arc. 
uh, on a sitcom about a stand-up comedian. I mean, you know, you, you just don't hear that. Louis falls in love with this foreign woman who he can barely have a conversation with because of language barriers. And it leads to really one of my favorite romantic storylines I've seen on TV in a long time. When I was in your office, you gave me really good advice, you know, philosophically. So I guess I... So you, you want me to advise you about what? But I, I, I bet, okay, I've been dating this woman and uh, I don't know if I should keep dating her because she's leaving the country. I'm not going to get to stay with her. And I'm liking her more and more, so it's, you know... Here's what I can tell you. In medical school, they tell you about thousands of things that can happen to the human body, diseases and maladies that you could never dream up. There's a thing where your bones dissolve and you become just a sack of organs. People are born sometimes with no eyes, with no face. They're rare, but people are born sick and they never know a moment of anything but pain and suffering. So, so nobody cares whether you date this girl or whether you don't. Just pick a road and go down it, or don't. I just, I love ambitious television, and Louie is about as daring and as artful as anything I've seen on the small screen, and certainly anything in the 30-minute realm of TV. I mean, this is hour-long television put inside the 30-minute package. So Louie's a fast watch for you. The seasons are pretty short. They're 30-minute episodes, um, and it's just, it is a joy to watch. I'm telling you, there are great moments um, in this show, there are things you will not be able to believe what you saw and just the chances he's taken. If you really, if you like artistic storytelling, if you like careful writing um, and, and, you know, in character development and, and social messages and, you know, all, all these kind of things, give Louie a chance. Uh, I think you'll, you'll really dig it. Uh, right now, all the seasons are available on Netflix. I know season five is on Amazon and Hulu. I'm not sure if all seasons are on there, but uh, I do know at least all five seasons right now are streaming uh, on Netflix. Do yourself a favor and check Louie out. I, I don't think you'll regret it at all. If you liked Master of None, if you watched that show, watch Louie because Master of None would not exist if it were not for Louie. Louie's like the way better version of that show, and I think what that show eventually wants to become is what Louie already is. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Stream Police Podcast. I want to once again thank my a partner in crime, Andy Sedlak, music editor at OverdueReview.com. I'm Clint Davis, movies and TV editor over at OverdueReview.com. I urge you to go to the website as always. I want to thank ACAST again for hosting us. And uh, I want to thank you, friend, for listening. Uh, coming down the road, I'm going to be talking a little bit about uh, Silicon Valley on HBO. I'll also be talking about uh, Game of Thrones on HBO. Both of, both of those shows uh, come back, and I'm kind of watching them both all the way through as we speak right now. And, of course, we'll tell you about more movies that are coming out uh, on online, uh, on your TV, and also in theaters right here on the stream, please. Please pass on word uh, about the show to your friends. And, uh, and until next time, my good friend, stream on. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.